I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. It's Tuesday night, so you know what that means, Chase Down Block, the NBA show with the one, the only Corbin Ford of Swish Theory, Round Ball Ramble, and many more basketball intelligence. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, We're coming off of, you know, the scariest holiday of the year and also the scariest time if you're a James Harden fan. So, um, yeah, aside from that, listen, I'm doing just fine. Man, the Harden stuff, it this is where we're at. It's just it doesn't really move the needle all that much for everybody involved. It was just like, eh. The, I feel like for me, and I don't know if you felt like this right out of the gate, was just, oh, the Sixers are going to do something big now. Like the Sixers now have all these expirings and now have all this money that they can move um, really quickly for another star to pair with Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey playing as well as he has uh, for the first uh, few games for um, the Sixers has looked great. And obviously Joel Embiid's been been great uh, out of the gate here too. But I mean, was that your immediate reaction? It's like, oh, so what are the 76ers going to do? Because Terrence Mann was obviously not included uh, in this deal. Uh, they get Nicholas Batum in here. They get Marcus Morris, a couple other guys. But um, what did what was your initial reaction uh, to that? And does it actually move the needle for you in terms of uh, what the Clippers can ultimately be this year? Um, It was interesting. I think that when I first saw from the 76ers perspective, it seemed on his head, you know, um, financial flexibility, you know, between Batum, Morris, kind of like you have Covington, like you have guys mm-hmm. who are going to be contracts that are gone after the season, but also veteran depth. Like, let's be real. James Harden had tanked his mm-hmm. own trade value, right? There was only one team that was realistically interested in James Harden. That was the Clippers. The leverage was lost. Like you weren't going to get Terrence Mann. Um, and that was kind of what it was. So I feel like the 76 didn't do horrible for themselves. I think that Morris will be, he always finds himself rejuvenated in new places. Um, we saw when he went to New York, saw when he went to the Clippers initially, and now we see potentially what happens in Philadelphia. Um, Batum, I think, is a guy who could play 15 to 20 minutes 
and give a good stint between shooting, you know, passing the ball, kind of being a connecting piece. And then Covington, I think, will be a, a nice um, P.J. Tucker replacement. Maybe not as good a, as a man defender as P.J. Tucker is, but definitely someone who's a better team defender and is a lot more assertive offensively. Remember, mm. you know, P.J. Tucker was going whole games without taking shots or taking one shot. So, like, yeah, is it great? No. But, like, around a, a, a James a, a Joel Embiid, who's still solid, like, very good, and then a Tyrese Maxey, who's just coming to his own, like, I don't think it's the worst thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then for the Clippers, I mean, if they were going to do the move now, like, do you like it? I mean, I kinda, I've kind i talked myself into it as I've thought about it more, weirdly enough. But, like, also, why not do it now? The play, the play, the in-season tournament hasn't started yet. You just have 79 games left to play. That's a lot better than 59 or 39, whatever the case may be, if you waited later to add hard. Might as well do it now um, for pieces that weren't really playing. Morris wasn't at the rotation at all, in the rotation. Um, if you look at Batumi, he's going to play the same 15 to 20. And Covington has went from starting a couple of games this season to not playing at all last season. Like, you're getting two guys, you know, in Harden and Tucker who will play, as opposed to three guys who you're setting out who either were playing as much or aren't playing at all. So I don't know. I don't. Does it move the needle a whole bunch? I mean, I think it does for the Clippers actually. At least their regular season ceiling is higher. Seventy um, Sixers, I think, are still the third best team. But let's be real. There was no way they were going to be anything other than that. Yeah. Whether or not they trade hard. I just, I think it's fine because it's also one of those teams. I love variety in the NBA, and the Clippers are going all in on some really old injury player like it's a uh, it's a it's never good when like all of the best highlights i thought someone put up like uh it's probably not a great sign that every uh excited clippers fan is posting like uh james harden clips from the obama administration like that's probably not a great sign is that's oh, how yeah, far back see. we're going to pull yeah. to get excited about paul george and james harden and russell westbrook and uh the gang getting back together because like i think that the, the running joke has been like oh what a team in 2014 but I mean, I think this is kind of where you have to go if you're the Clippers, where you've already given all the assets up for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You might as well just go all in and just see what happens with this core. I mean, your depth is gone. I mean, your depth is, I mean, yes, you're able to keep Terrence Mann in the steal. I don't really understand why uh, Nicholas Batum had to be included uh, in this one for Philadelphia. But I mean, you got Mason Plumley, PJ Tucker, but he's 38, I think. I mean, Kobe Brown's playing like eight minutes for them tonight. Like he's having to play a little bit. Uh, Norman Powell's still in the group. Bones Highland um, there. But I don't know. I think it's like people who are worried of like, oh, it's an injury old team. I'm like, well, yeah, you might as well just run it out. Like you might as well see this to the ultimate conclusion of like, well, what if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy in the playoffs and we have a healthy James Harden? What could that be? Like you might as well just see what you have. You've already given up all the pieces. You might as well just double down and really... Uh, strip this thing down to just the high upside play of a bunch of uh, vets who um, move the needle if they're all healthy. So I think it's like, hey, it's a fine gamble. Like, I'm okay w uh, with uh, the Clippers doing this ultimately because, like, what else were they going to do outside of blowing it up and trading uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard anyway, right? That's true. I mean, this is the all-in Clippers at this point, right? Yeah. Like. You know, James Harden, he can't get extended anyway. You know, mm. um, he, he is playing for a financial feature that he wasn't getting anywhere else that apparently the Clippers will potentially give him. So mm. you have the opportunity for him. Russ, based on a one-year deal, Kawhi, PG, we already know where they are financially or, or contractually. So, yeah, I feel like this is a – might as well. You know, mm. and then maybe if you give Harden and, and I guess to a lesser extent Westbrook more offensive usage and, again, kind of 
see what that is. We've seen both of them have that and see the ceiling there. But you know that you still have Kawhi and PG. But that what that can do is that can make them more shot create shot finishers. Like they can finish plays and focus more on defense as well a little bit and just see how that works for them. Like I think there's potential there to simplify their role, ease their load a little bit, diversify that some between spreading the usage out offensively and not the bench. Like I don't think it's super bad. It's definitely thinner, but like those guys weren't playing, you know, like mm. it was just names. Like, yeah, those names sound good. Like right now, those names sound good in Philly, but they weren't really doing anything. Like, I think I like Terrence Mann coming off the bench. I definitely like Bones Highland. Don't forget they didn't let go of Norman Powell. Like those guys are still there. Um, Mason Plumley is also there as well. You know, like they at least go nine deep, you know. Yeah. I've you mentioned Zubak, obviously he's starting. And then you imagine Kawhi, PG, Harden, and Westbrook, and that's your starting five. But like, there's still some moves there. There's still some depth there, you know, and yeah. I do like that. I don't understand the inclusion of Kenyon Martin Jr. I thought that I really was hoping he had a bigger role with the Clippers. I thought his physicality, his ability to play above his size, some intriguing small ball units, I thought he could probably plug in pretty well there. Now I'll be thinking those same things in Philadelphia, so whatever. Mm. But um, I don't think their depth is totally gutted. Like, to be, to be fair, I think this is a deal that kind of works for both sides considering where they were in their current situation. The Clippers wanted to go all in. They've done that. Philadelphia wanted to, you know, keep potentially safe face. They can say to Embiid, hey, listen, we got these players right now. We think they can fit and we can kind of just tread water here. Um, but we also got a lot of picks that we can also take and use that to go for a bigger fish. We've already heard talk about Zach Levine and OJ Anobi. I don't necessarily like either of those two options as ideal solutions, but you could talk yourself into that or going for whatever other star comes up, you know, down the line um, with these picks and a couple of players matching salaries. So you can finagle it both ways for both teams. Now, the question marks for both, absolutely. But like, the more I think about it, the less I'm like, mm, that's funny. This is one of those 2K trades, I call them. 2K, or like, I love playing basketball, G, basketball GM. That's my game. Mm. You try to offer that package in that game, it wouldn't work. I tried it already. It wouldn't work. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't. So yeah. that's the kind of thing where it's like, huh, you know, I don't know, tra- fix the trade engine. But no, aside from that, yeah. like, seriously, one of those just funny little deals. Yeah, I just, are they now, like, where do you put them now in the hierarchy in the West, Corbin? Like, where are they about the Lakers? For you, um, I don't think anybody's above the I'll Nuggets. And the Nuggets are in their own tier. Um, through uh, eight or so games, I think the Lakers are just kind of screwed uh, with where they're at uh, in terms of their title chase. And um, I just don't think they have the pieces. I think they're too old. And I think Anthony Davis is just not going to be a top three player where he's going to be able to do that for a full deep playoff run. I, I don't think the, La- the Lakers are just kind of screwed. I just don't. And you saw what the wow, Nuggets what? have Whoa. done to them over okay. and over again. They've okay. lost six straight to Denver. They're not close to Denver. I don't think Denver is fearful of the Lakers whatsoever. The uh, Lakers so, aren't fearful of Denver. I, who? The Lakers aren't fearful of Denver. They like, should be. No, honestly, the Lakers need to job better. The Nuggets right now are just bigger. The they're bigger, big. more talented, younger, better. I wouldn't say they're more talented. Their starting five is. I don't think their bench is more talented. Their starting five, Nikola Jokic right now is at the peak of his powers. AD is still one of the top defense. Did you see him swallow up? I mean, Peyton, Orlando, Peyton, Peyton Watson plugging right in, working. I don't know, uh, man. He was okay. He didn't do a lot against the Lakers. Say that right now. Like, he didn't. Like, I'm just saying from what I'm oh, seeing. Don't. Corbin, you're talking yourself into this. Do you think no, I, six straight? How many in a row do they have to lose to the Nuggets for? You're like, maybe. I'm sorry. Maybe. The Laker, Lakers have lost to the Clippers all the time for, like, years of I don't know what. Like, they, every true. time they match up head-to-head. And yet, in the last three years, one team has a championship and one team doesn't. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm yeah. just saying. 
Like, okay. the Nuggets had a, a really good season last year, like a really good season, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like they played elite competition. I mean, Lakers obviously were – they came together. The Lakers had real flaws. Like, mm. let's be real. They have real flaws now. The Nuggets probably exploit that. But the Nuggets aren't, uh, in my mind, a juggernaut. They are a very, very good team. They are championship favorites. But mm. I'm not going all 2016 Warriors on them. Like, if AD okay. was to go monstrous or they have an injury or LeBron could tap into something or a good trade – like, now the Nuggets are very good. And, yes, you're right. I just – I use that as a comparison because, again, same thing, like I said, with the Lakers and Clippers. Like, Clippers are probably going to beat the Lakers this year in matchups, too. But last That's I fair. checked, last three years, one of those teams is a championship. Now you can say both Lakers and the Nuggets have one. But, like, I, I, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Right now, no, they're not a good matchup. Um, but to answer your question, I would put the Lakers, oh, put the Clippers third. Okay. With as high as second. Because I do think that you have a guy like, Nikola Jokic and the way that Jamal Murray's been playing and the way that you have solid play, of course, from, um, you know, Aaron Gore and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Like, you you have really good solid play, right? So, putting that aside, like, fine. Mm. Like, they, I mean, there's nothing, I'm not even disparaging them. Like, they're number one. Mm. Um, after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Do you, I mean, I like the Warriors. I think they've gotten better. Um, Chris Paul's been a seamless fit so far. Something like 28 assists to four turnovers or something crazy. Like yeah. he's been really going to galvanize their second unit. You know, you have a, um, a, a Draymond Green back, of course. Um, I, I I think Jonathan Kaminga's been playing really well. Um, you know, Clay and them injuries, but they're going to do what they do. But like, they're there. They're in that situation. Stuff crazy balling out of his mind. Sorry, buried the lead. That's the biggest one, right? Mm. Then I'd say the Clippers, probably after that. I mean, and that's just off the potential of the regular season. That's a lot to deal with on a night-to-night basis. The West, if yeah. they're healthy, is just a bloodbath because you the yes, Thunder are off to a good start at three and one. But my preseason, like the Pelicans, if they're healthy, like the Pelicans are one of the best. My Mavs are bouncing back was just one that I felt really good about. Where I there, it's a hot start. We'll see. You never know for a full season of Kyrie and company. But I feel good about them. And then the Grizzlies, zero and four out of the gate here and mm-hmm. losing a lot of ground. And then you're looking at like, what is Ja Morant walking back into? And um, what is their realistic path to still getting into the, the play in and that kind of spot? I don't know. I think uh, it's kind of wild how quickly the West has separated itself because I feel like we already have the 10 teams because yeah. <laughs> if you look at it, uh, the 10, including the play in because Spurs, Blazers, Jazz, Rockets, Grizzlies, those were uh, those I could all very much miss the playoffs, and I think that's uh, that would not surprise me if that's how things go. And I mean, um, I don't know. That's just kind of. Uh, and then you look at the East, and it's a complete. Uh, just I have no idea. I think everybody. This might sound crazy. I don't know if you agree with this. I think everyone in the East can make the playoffs, and that includes the plan. I don't think there's one team right now in the East that I'm like, yeah, I couldn't see them getting the tenth spot. Detroit. Like I don't think there's anyone there. Do Do you Detroit. agree? Detroit's uh, a good. Okay, Cade's good. Cade's good. Jalen Duran is awesome. Individually, those guys are good. But no, I. I but I, would I, it I actually mean, blow your mind if they were the ten seed? I'll be shocked. I will be shocked. But I don't know if it blow my mind. I will give you that. I'll That's be what shocked. I'm saying. Like there are 15 teams that can make the playoffs. Like, nice. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, like okay, for example, like the, the, I'm currently checking out. The magic game right and mm. the, and they look good as well but like i think it's safe i think the, i would say i don't think the pistons can like there's a world where the pistons can make it yeah. i don't see them you know a team i definitely don't see going there the wizards mm. no i don't see i think that. the wizards are actually the worst team in the east and i don't oh, know they're, they're easily the yeah they're not making the playoffs it's not it's not a thing no. for them um so i would look at detroit i would look at um washington charlotte's interesting but i tend to go on the outs on charlotte i'm watching them pretty closely for my charlotte hornets podcast but like yeah. I tend to just think that Charlotte's 
on the out. So I think there's three I mean, if they play the, the Hawks every week, out. then they're going to make the playoffs, but they don't, unfortunately. There you go. They exactly. own, Steve exactly. Clifford owns the Hawks. He owns Trey no. Young. Like, that's just, yeah. He just has it, has their number. So yep. those three teams, no, like they're not. But after that, I'll I'll, I'll give you this. Mm. 12 teams in the East can make the playoffs. Okay. That's still pretty fun. Like the that's East is wide fun. open. No, yes, it is. No, that that's still pretty fun. I'm not gonna not lying there. I mean, that, it very much is. I mean, the Cavs I thought were uh, gonna be the third team in in this after well third or fourth team, and the Knicks have their number no matter where the Knicks are. As mm. we saw as we're finishing this, like Knicks have their number. So yeah, you're right. It's tight either way. But the West a bloodbath. I would say the East is slightly less so, but not by much. Yeah. Uh, week one, Wimby watch. Uh, I like to check in here uh, throughout the course of the year. I think this would be fine, Corbin. So when you look at uh, what you've seen from uh, Victor Wimbanyana, uh to this point, what has been the most intriguing? What surprised you about his game? What's the most fun? And maybe what's the most concerning uh, through the first couple of games here for, for Victor in San Antonio? I mean, his three-point shooting. Hmm. Like, it looks intriguing. You know, it's one of those things where he's made some big shots already, but he's shooting 23% from three. Yeah. Like to start 44% from the field, which even that's not super great in my mind for a guy seven, four. And I get a lot of his touch, a lot of his, you know, physicality, still getting used to the game and everything. And on his head, 15, seven and one doesn't look bad at all, but mm. like, no, he, he shot. Oh, was six against the Rockets. Oh, two against Clippers from three, one of four currently as we're recording against the Suns. Like, you know, and then the last couple of games under 50% shooting two of seven against Suns right now, four or 10 against Clippers. Like, that's just the thing. Also, I think he's trying to get used to, you know, he's not definitely not being featured by the Spurs, mm. but I think that they're in a scenario where, you know, just when he starts getting cooking, the guards just like, okay, it's time for us to go to work. And it's like, no, I'm not saying play through Wemby yet, but mm. also I think there needs to be a better bounce struck. And that hasn't happened as of yet. So it's one of those things I'm definitely curious about um I mean, he's had some great highlights you know he gets after on defense i love the attitude he brings to the game you know he had a little nice big shot on dylan brooks and pointing at him you know he had a as he's as we're recording right now you know he gave up a nice shot on a one-on-one uh play against kevin durant and then a little bit later got it right back um with the resounding dunk off of a pump fake three which again is funny that you have to close it so hard and the guy's shooting 23 percent from three but the mm. shot looks solid it's just has been going in all the way so that'll be my one concern you know the outside shooting was always concerned back then. It looks fluid. It's just the numbers don't really r- reflect that. Um, and they haven't as of yet either. At the same time, I mean, the dude's played, what, four games? Yeah. You know, like, the dude's still, you know, still getting himself in a situation where, you know, he's finding his way. And I think that that's important to kind of take in consideration. So, easily the number one pick. I'm more concerned with Brandon Miller and, and, and in comparison to Scoot Henderson. Because Scoot Henderson is not doing well and i really thought school henderson was the easy number two over brandon miller and brandon miller mind you he can't you know create his own shot to save his life but the dude is playing very very well i mean miller looks good but i also just when you read all the books and listen to like jason kidd and all these different uh, legendary point guards it just seems like all of them i mean remember steph curry and his turnover issues his uh early uh, golden state years i just tend to give young point guards the the first year just toss it out like i just don't really worry about year one for point guards and i mean it's been bad all across the board for scoot especially offensively but i just i think it's the hardest position to acclimate and get good at in the nba like you look at victor like you said uh he's playing really well right out of the gate here um you see chet playing really well out of the gate i think you see a lot more of the bigs 
uh, having success um, right out of the gate. And I also think 3 and D wings, guys who can defend and can stay on the floor that way. They, I mean, AJ Griffin was pretty solid uh, last year um, out of the gate. And I think it, for me, I just think I'm more lenient on struggles for a rookie point guard. And I think it should be expected that uh, when you give a rookie point guard the kind of responsibility and the freedom to fail as much as Portland is giving scoop because there's no Damian Lillard for uh, to help him along. No Andre Miller (laughs) on the roster right now. I mean, you have Malcolm Brogdon uh, temporarily uh, and Mm -hmm. uh, although he did just sign with clutch. So uh, future Los Angeles Laker, Malcolm Brogdon here Uh, (laughs) that uh, for him to come and shoot 25% from three. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But Corbin I I don't know I'm just not really worried about Scoot yet like I think uh, he's got time and that's a pretty bad situation Anthony Simon's out for a while now um Shaden Sharp looks fun but like there's just not a lot of a lot of talent I think they're just gonna be bad so I think he's just gonna fail and I think this won't be the story all year I think I like Scoot a lot coming out I think he'll he'll figure out I'm not worried about Scoot yet Mm. Okay. I, I'm just worried about him shooting from three because he's shooting 5% from three. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a shooter, though, right? Well, like, well, well, here, and I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be ever really a great three-point shooter. Like, he can be, I don't yeah. know, not Russ from three. I'm trying to think of another, like, middling three-point shooter. Um, mm. Let's just go with Russ for now. Russ yeah. is bad from three. I'm trying to think of a point guard who just three ball is in his game, like a Markel Fultz. Okay. There you go. Like Markel, Markel doesn't even want to shoot threes, though. Like that man. Well, there you go. Like, but yeah. I'm thinking that maybe Scoot should also try to take a page <laughs> out of that book. Yeah. Because you're shooting 5% from three and not for lack of trying. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe maybe he's down a little bit. I think it's like, mm. it's something wild from three. Um, let me look at the numbers while I have I have it here. So, yeah, he's uh, taken 18 of them. He's made one. Like, sorry, calm down. He's 14 or 42 in general. And mind you, I mm. get it. Like, Portland, you know, especially with... um. Simon's going down, like, mm. going to be a lot more attention on you. I totally understand that. But, like, you have more uh, fouls than you have turnovers by one, but you have mm. more turnovers than you have by assists. But, like, but like again, it's a rookie point guard. It makes sense. I'm just saying you can't shoot right now. It's not yeah. going down. I get the confidence thing. Just, I don't know. I, and like you said, it's it's gauging. Because on the one hand, like, no, 5% is rough. I don't care how you cut it. Like, 5% is, is nasty, like, yeah. disgusting. At the same time, you're right. Rookie point guard with not a lot of offensive weapons right now, except for one guy who we're going to talk about later that I've just been kind of confused about. But, yeah, you're right. I guess take it with a grain of salt. Um, at the same time, I thought from the beginning that Scoot would come in and immediately like say, hey, I should have been the number two pick. And he just hasn't done that yet. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, continues. But and also see if Brandon Miller continues to be okay. I think people are way too low on the Hornets. I thought, like, because they're just playing vets now. Like Gordon Hayward and Mark Williams looks great. Uh, he's uh, going to be a good center in this league for for a long time. He's he's gotten a lot bigger. He's he's just a great rim running modern center, uh, non superstar type. But I think Mark Williams is going to be really good. And healthy Lamelo is a lot of fun. And um, they're just older, so they're just going to make things easier for Brandon Miller as the lone uh, lone young guy uh, in that starting ro- or not starting rotation in that main rotation because PJ Washington right there too. So um, should be interesting if they keep those pieces together over uh, the next couple months here. Corbin, um, buy or sell because you know where I'm going with this. Willie Green, he said Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are the best duo in the NBA. I'm going to keep saying it: best freaking duo in the NBA. They don't talk about you enough. Best freaking duo in the nba so i ask you sir they're two and one right now buy or sell the pels look like a team that can win 50 plus because i think they do corbin ford 
Um, in 2K, probably. Um, I just, here's the thing. Health. Health is the thing. It's too early to tell. Like, with talent-wise, yes. About the best do in the NBA? No, absolutely not. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> just off the top of my head, I'm looking at the Celtics. I'm looking at the Bucks. Uh, I take the Clippers. I take the Lakers. I take the Suns. Um, well, that's an interesting question. Would you take the three. Would you take Zion and Ingram for the next five years, or would you take Jalen and uh, Tatum? Jalen and Jason. Okay. Um, they've been healthier. They've improved more. They've went farther. Like that's the Pelicans fair. were sold on what could be, but what hasn't been. We can't mm-hmm. get them to play games. They haven't made it to the deep into the playoffs, let alone the finals. Like, who would I, you rather I, have, Ingram or Brown, as the the Tatum? Second, second guy. I like Ingram. Like I really I think Ingram's like a better Ingram. player. But I, I uh, this is where I don't. I, I, I want to think Ingram's a better player. But um, Jalen's a better defender, and that's important. And I think Jalen can play off ball a little bit better than Ingram can. We saw that a little bit in the Olympics, um, with um, the USA. We yeah. see that a little bit with the Pelicans. Like him, if you notice, like they've only played like what. 20 something games together or something mm. like they all do well when the other person on the court they have not shown they can coexist where tatum and 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 and, Jay, and jaylen brown have kind of shown that a little bit it hasn't mm. always been pretty but they have shown and they've gotten better that there is a good tandem between the two so no i just think that one is like actual like reality and the other is potential and the potential is going on you know a couple of years now like we've been four years of of ingram and um zion together and I mean, Ingram right now is 22, 5, and 7, or 22, 7, and 5. He's not shooting mm-hmm. well from three right out of the gate, but I mean. No, and he's already missed a game and probably about to miss another. He only played two. He's already down with injury. That's like, the problem. Play, exactly. Is you need but these guys healthy. The yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's always, that's always the issue. Like, that's what I mean. Like, it's not even yeah. about, like, when they're healthy, sure. Like, give us a healthy season and go. But they just not have shown that that is something that they can do. Um, I mean, obviously, look at Zion's numbers or Zion's stats, you know. 24 games is rookie season, 61, 29. Now he's played all three that they've had. Look at Brandon Ingram. You know, he started off healthy and has just been increasingly less and less. He had a little couple of years in, in New Orleans where he was good, but he played 79 his rookie season, 59, 52. Then he went back to 62, 61, then 55, 45, and now two of the three. Like, injuries are just something that's a factor there. So, I mean, yeah, the numbers are good, but we have to see how long this extends over the season. You know, he just turned 26 recently, so still young, but just want to see what it is. I mean, did you see what he did? Like, there was a drive against the Warriors where Zion just, like, bodied Draymond. Like, he's just the best, a healthy uh, Zion. I mean, what he did in the opener against uh, Memphis, he was dominant as well. Like, I think the defense will continue to get better, but I just, Zion's one of those guys, I just... If he's healthy this whole year, we're looking at him as an MVP. Like, he is going to be in that stratosphere when he's healthy. Because, like, I genuinely don't know what you do with a healthy Zion Williamson that's locked in on offense. Like, he's a cheat code also in the half court at late in games. I just, I don't even know how you frustrate Zion Williamson to this point offensively. Have you seen anything? Because, like, if that's the case, if he's healthy, let's just operate on the assumption that him and Brandon Ingram are healthy for the uh, majority of this season. Like, is there something that teams figure out to slow down Zion Williamson um, as an offensive just juggernaut? Because I don't know what you can really do with him. And also, I would love him and uh, Jokic in a seven-game series. I want to see something like that uh, for Zion Williamson uh, to this point. And 
what they would what they would do. Maybe uh, the Lakers in a seven game series with Anthony Davis. How does Anthony match up with Zion for uh, extended series? I don't know. I just really want to see Zion against the best bigs in the West in a seven game series because I'm very curious where he's at as a player um, over the course of a, a, a long important series because we haven't seen him play important basketball yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'd like to see it as well. All comes down to health. That's the big thing. It's always been the big thing, you know, because you're right. It would be a pleasure to see that, you know, or against the best bigs, or even if he had like a playoff series, like we saw Anthony Edwards have a couple years ago against Memphis, like a coming out mm. party, a tight series where he can make a real impact on on it, win, lose, or draw. But that's just not something we've seen. Um, and at this point, I, I, we can only talk about what could be or go to our video games and play it. But like, until I see it, I have to assume that's just not a thing. And through four seasons, like, it's not been a thing. He just, he's strong, he's large, and when he gets ahead of steam, I just don't know what you do he's with He's so him. physically dominant. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You, you, it's one of those, it's, it reminds me of, of a Twitter uh, post. Like, what's the thing stopping Zion? Injuries. Like, yeah. if he's on the court, I mean, make him a shooter. That's probably something I would do, actually. Make him a shooter. But do you even have like, to? It's well, like Giannis. He, like, Giannis doesn't have to shoot. It doesn't matter. No, no. I'm, no, you're right. Well, Giannis is also just so tall. But Zion yeah. is so physically dominant. So you're right. Like, and those two have had fun matchups too. Like, I, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm saying if there was something I would do, it, it would be the same thing you would try to do with Giannis. Try to yeah. make him a shooter. You know, try to clog the paint, give him different bodies, make it hard for him to kind of see, you know, that sort of thing. Is it going to be effective? No. I mean, probably not. The great ones, it, it, it rarely is. But that's something you can attempt to do. That's true. Uh, Corbin, Corbin's Corner segment we're going to do each week on this very show, sir. NBA thought mm-hmm. that has you fascinated this week. What are you thinking about right now, Corbin? Glad you asked. Glad you asked, Chase, because it's also something about the new player that I'm most excited to see. It's kind of a two-in-one. Okay. Um, it's a player that I'm excited to see, but also not excited to see, just kind of puzzled by. My question is, where in the world is DeAndre um, Dominating, you know, that's his name, and that's the name he gave himself. Right, like it apparently mm. has a tattoo on his back, but through four games for the Blazers, you know, he's in a spot where eight points per game, you know, taking seven shots a game, 58%, like not horrible. Um, grabbing 14 rebounds, like he's doing that, getting an assist plus a game, a steal plus a game, a block a game, like he's impacting in ways, but like this is not no, like I mean, I, I, yes, you were blessed with playing with the point god the last couple mm. of years. But you play 2018, 2019. Well, that was Ricky Rubio, who's no slouch himself at the point guard position. So, like, I, I just feel like there was a time where he was playing with less than expected. Actually, no, 2018, 2019, he was not playing with Ricky Rubio. It was, it was looking at the guards for that team. Elie Kobo, De'Anthony Melton, Tyler Johnson, Isaiah Cannon, um, Devin Booker, Jamal Crawford. So, no, he played with pretty bad talent at the point guard position. And even that season, averaged 16 points per game and 10 rebounds. In this case, I, I feel like you got to be, you got to be, you, you maybe don't have to be dominating, but you have to be somebody who is making more of an impact on the game offensively. You made this big show about like what you brought to the table and how you're going to dominate. I get that you don't have the guys to give you the ball, but like take the ball. I don't know, like do something. This isn't, this is a lackluster performance in my end from what I've seen so far. Like it's just not been super great. And I get it, you know, you're playing with a rookie point guard and a guy who probably worked best with you getting like 10, 12 minutes a game together. It's Malcolm Brockton. But at the same time, like when you were in college, you flashed a mid-range jumper. Where'd that go? You know what I mean? You flashed a little bit of a three. Where'd that go? Like how can you make yourself more impactful in different parts of the game offensively? Because eight points isn't going to cut it. Four, seven shot attempts ain't going to cut it. Like that's not doing it. Um, and that's regardless of the talent you're playing at the point guard position. 
And so I'm just curious of what to happen, what happened late, because I really thought with a not even more feature role, but like you're not playing second fiddle. You went from playing rightfully so fourth fiddle, you know, the first Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant would have been, would presumably have been Bradley Beal. So now it's like Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp, you know, um, Scoot Henderson. Like those are interesting perimeter players. They've been on the caliber of Phoenixes. Like you have to set yourself apart. And I just haven't seen that yet. And that's just been something that's like, what's going on? I'm going to watch all of the Blazers games a little more in depth. It's been hard. It's not good basketball. <laughs> Sorry. But like, I just want to see like, where has he disappeared to? Because it just hasn't been a thing right now. And it's like, come on, man. So that's my thought. Like, that's the team I'm really going to focus on moving next ne- this next week. Like to really mm-hmm. kind of deep dive and see, okay, is he able to make shots? Is he able to get shots? Like, where is he in the flow of their offense? Like, what is going on there? So that's my team of the week to watch, specifically for Aiden. But he's also, in, uh, to answer the other question that we usually talk about here is, he's the person I'm so interested in about, you know, a new face in a different place. Like, you're out of the shadow of Booker and everyone else there. So, like, stand out. Make yourself known. I don't know. It's just my thoughts. I wonder... I just don't think the scoring's ever coming, but he's impacting in different ways. Like the 23 boards the other night was huge. He's a 16 point per game over his career score. Like you say, I don't know what points could come. The points have been there. But I don't know if that's the best version of Aiden. I I don't know. I I feel like the best version of Aiden is like a 15 and 10. 16 Mm -hmm. and 10. I definitely don't think it's 8 and 14. Like 14 is nice. Don't get it wrong. And he's blocking shots and he's rebounding. Like, you know, he's, he's like, he's doing those things and he's getting steals. Like, I like that. But no, eight points per game from a guy with the offensive skills that he has, you can't tell me that's like the idealized version of eight. Yeah, I don't know. But it's just, do you think that's coming? Do you think that's ever going to be a thing at this point? Do you think it's, because I mean, if there was ever a time, it's Portland, because the shots are there. The opportunity is there. Like he's got Matisse Thibel in the starting lineup well, with him. The yeah. shots are right there. Scoot's playing, uh, having a really rough Ricky go of it. Anthony Simon's now out. Like if there was ever well, that, a time. That's what now. I mean. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not sure yeah. where it is, but it's been like, I'm not sure where it is, but it's been there. Like, the yeah. scoring is there. Where is it? I don't know. But he's shown the talent. We saw it in University of Arizona. Like, I watched that in depth. We saw yeah. the first couple seasons in Phoenix before, you know, maybe he lost some of his confidence or whatever. Or Monty Williams changed the way that he played offensively. But, like, it was there. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, where is it now? That's 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 what I'm curious about. That is the question. But to say these, it's not like he has to develop a mid-range jumper. It's not like he has to develop, you know, a, a, a post-up move or a consistent basis. Like, this is a situation where right now he just needs to, I don't know, put it together. Like, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Um. Next up here, Corbin. Uh, true or false? And Yaka and Kong will prove to be the long-term five in Atlanta. I hope so. I mean, Clint Capel has been pretty solid on both ends. Like... You hope that Nyeka stand, stands out and, and really makes that his own. And I mean, he's had some moments, but I, I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, he's it's it's. It, I'm not I'm not like type like this type like if he was Tyrese Maxey, where I'm like, hey, it's his time, like go out there and, and just take it. Like right now, yeah. 9.5 rebounds. No, you're not ready. No much. Only 20 minutes per game. So I, I get that. But like at the same time, no, I I I I I'm not gonna be saying, oh, like this is his time. You know, like yes, I want him to get the opportunity. Um, and see what he does with it. But Clint Capella right now, I mean, just off of production alone, is is doing better. And and playing only four minutes per game more, 10 and 10 on 25 minutes. You're basically splitting the center minutes. So 10 and 10, 9 and 5. You're saying four more minutes and Clint almost 
doubles up the rebounding? No. You know, I don't I also, know. I, mm-hmm. Well, here's the weird thing about these games. So DeJounte obviously went off, and the comeback against the Wolves was preposterous <laughs> mm-hmm. yesterday, Corbin. And that was cool. But the story for me for the first two games was that Anyeka and Clint were both bad. And they got, like, Mark Williams took them both to task in uh, in the opener. And one of the things that stood out to me is really Capella, like, Anyeka just got the extension, and it's a really team-friendly extension. It's something that you, you – it's a no-brainer. You do there. But he hasn't really run with it. It's kind of like a Kaminga-type situation where you're like – you really want you. There's a lot to like about this guy. There's a lot of theoretical stuff. Like every offseason, we're like, oh, and Yeka, he's going to start shooting corner threes, and Yeka is going to start uh, spacing the floor a little bit better. I just, I don't know where the excitement comes because Capella, I know exactly what he is. Like Capella is a vet who is very comfortable with Trey. Um, he knows exactly where Trey is going to be at all times. They have extremely great chemistry. And Yeka, I don't. I'm always nervous about bigs who are not superstars and don't have the defined like rim running or pick and pop three. Like you're either Brooke Lopez or you're uh, Mark Williams, right? Robert Williams, either one. I don't know what he's actually going to be great at in the NBA. Probably rebounding. If I had to guess right now, he's a good defender. He's, I, I wouldn't say he can guard one through five, but he's a good defender. I don't know if he's a great defender. I don't know if he's going to be uh, an all NBA second team, third team center ever in this league. Probably not. And I just, I don't know where the excitement still comes from because like Jalen Johnson, I get right now, like Jalen Johnson has made a leap and I didn't see this coming. Jalen Johnson's going to be a really good player. I think with Quinn Snyder and company, I just don't really see it with Inyeka. Like I just, I think he's solid. He's a rotation guy. But the idea of just handing him the keys and that, like, we need to move Capella now. And I'm like, I just still don't see it with him. I don't know if he's going to be that 36-minute guy that you can count on. And I I think a lot of Hawks fans are just expecting Capella when he gets inevitably traded that he's going to slide right in and just it's going to be great. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Anyeka is, like... I just I want him to be really good at something. I really want him to be an elite rim runner. I want to see that kind of uh, chemistry with Dejounte and Trey. I want to see him start shooting corner threes. I want to see him do more stuff, being a better passer in the post. Like I I just want to see more from him. And I understand it's like minutes, but it's like he's not really flashing in those areas where I think he's going to be great at one particular thing that I need the modern center to be good at. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. I feel sort of similar to that. Like, it's just not, he doesn't show okay, immediately. Like, you have mm-hmm. positions that we've seen in the NBA where mm-hmm. players who are ready for a starting position are being capped right now, whether yeah. by somebody who rightfully deserves that role or we are collectively wondering why is he not taking the starting spot? Is it mm-hmm. a coach? Is it whatever? This doesn't seem like a situation to me. Like, yeah. it just doesn't. Like, sure, like, he can start, I guess, if he wanted to. Like, we have the feeling that it should be now. When he was drafted, we thought it would happen. Maybe it just doesn't happen. Maybe Capella just ends up being a better center overall, which would be disappointing. Yeah. And, yes, Okongu would be still a decent backup five to me, but maybe he never becomes that starting five, which, yeah. no, that's that's not good. Like, for the record, that's not good at all. But, like, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not of the opinion of just making it happen just because. You know, like, if Bones Highland stays behind, I don't know, 
But I mean, that's what it feels like, right? It's like we, yeah. we're just making mm -hmm. it happen just because. I think that's a great way of putting it. Is that's yeah. where it feels like it's heading? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You said it. exactly. I just don't. Yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. Like it's like, okay, it's his time. It's his time. Look. Oh, yep. You see what time? You see, you see what time yep. it is? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 Ashy time, but it's also Unkongu time. Oh wait, there's nothing there. Like that's yeah. what it feels like right now. Yeah. I just, I'm very curious to see how it plays out because I do think Capella has eventually moved, but I just, I don't know. I'm not there with Inyaka, and I could, I could be wrong, but uh, I'm not there at this point in time. Um, final thing here as we wrap up uh, on the Chase Down block uh, here on this Wednesday evening, Corbin. Uh, I want to add this every week. Chase Down Reads. Uh, you and I both avid, voracious readers here each and every week. Uh, to spotlight, I mean, it kind of speaks to basketball intelligencer and everything else uh, that you're doing each and every day, Corbin. What has been the best NBA piece, your favorite or podcast that you really, really like that you would like to share on uh, on the show? I'm just going to plug me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> no, no. You know, and I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, when I do feel that there is worthy work out there that I will. I, well, I mean, I we're going to plug you at the end of the show. Every week we're oh. plugging you at the end, too. Of course, and I, I thank you for that. But no, um, the best piece I've read, honestly, I've liked a lot of the pieces that have come out recently, like today, regarding mm -hmm. the James Harden trade, particularly on The Athletic. But Kevin O'Connor wrote a nice piece on The Ringer um, the day before about how the 76ers are evolving with or without James Harden. And mm -hmm. I really thought it was an interesting dive into how Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey are thriving in Nick Nurse's new system, how there's a, a lack of pick and rolls that are happening um, mm. like there were last year with Harden and Embiid and how there are so much more dribble handoffs and what's that's doing to allow Maxi to flourish and also get Embiid more involved and keep more space and they play with a quicker pace in the half court. Um, I think Embiid's now in a space to facilitate coming from the elbows. It's just been really good. It's just been really good the way that they've been working. Through three games, Embiid's averaging 7.2, seven assists per game. Um, last season, 4.2. And a lot of that's coming off these handoff actions between him and and, and, and Maxi, And it's a really good two-man action. So it was a nice deep dive on them even before the trade happened. Because this was published, what, we put this in the newsletter. I put it on Monday. So, yeah, this that was probably the best piece I've read just because it was interesting to see, okay, how is it working? Like, you know, you always know a different coach is going to put a different stamp. And I didn't think that Doc Rivers was the most imaginative of offensive coaches. But the nurse does bring a different element. Okay. How is he getting the most out of Maxi in this way? How is it opening the door more for Embiid? And shows, in my mind, why this trade happened when it did. Because guess what? With Saxon like it is now, like, yeah, the playoffs can be a different thing. But as long as we have guys who can defend their position, space the floor, you know, make an offensive play outside of a closeout, maybe we're okay. So that was probably the best piece um, I would recommend having um, read over the last couple of days. I like it. I like it. Corbin, what can the good folks check out from you across Swiss Theory? Round ball ramble, basketball intelligence. There's all kinds of great stuff uh, all across the internet from you this week. What can uh, the good folks check out? You know what? I would recommend checking out Round Ball Ramble, um, Roster Reconstruction. Those are my two podcasts. And we, um, I just put, actually today, went live on YouTube um, and broke down the James Harden trade with my friend Stephen Bagel. So that is already on YouTube, and that will be out on all podcast feeds literally um, by tomorrow morning. So that's a thing. Um, also, Switch theories where I will be doing roster reconstruction. Not only will be having myself and somebody, my friend Josh Earl and Garrett Bougay, but also members of Switch Theory, um, especially as we go into the season with draft pieces and you know team construction conversations. I think it'll be a really, really cool way to um, 
kind of just have these discussions and I'll be on the Switch Theory platform. So that's something else as well I'd like to plug. Um, and then also every week um, I will be doing a, I already do basketball, I already help with basketball intelligence, a newsletter that I highly recommend checking out. It's the best NBA content literally every day. We don't stop. Um, we put it all in a format that you can understand, team specific stories, general NBA stories, draft stories, all of that. Just make sure to, you know, Google basketball intelligence, um, pay subscribing and it's $5 a month and you get all of that and so much more features working to add. But I'll also do my own little newsletter, if you will, not a newsletter of like basketball intelligence, but just my own thoughts on games to watch moving forward, um, thoughts from the week before, and that'll drop every Monday. That's going to be coming up starting, I think, this Monday. So yeah, that, that's a lot in the basketball circles, but that's where I'd be right now. And there of course, you with you, Chase. Yeah, absolutely. Every week on uh, Tuesday nights here. So Corbin Ford, thank you as always, my friend. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 